Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Do people say stuff like that? I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism. And I have a little pool here and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go! It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza. Am I sounding like very white today, Jimmy? Communiques, dispatches, ah. memorandums, and misses. Any ah. special message no. for all the kids watching at home? No. no. <laughs> right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. <laughs> now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. <laughs> Ooh, this is Wretched Radio, croaky voice and all. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org, idea at wretched.org. While you're doing that, I will do my very best to keep from making slurping sounds because I've got a cough drop between my cheek and gums. (laughs) Like chaw, only to coat and to soothe. Whether you have an agreement or disagreement, we welcome it. As best we're able to, in our flesh, to receive whatever correction. You see a story, it's an article, it's a sermon. Please send it to idea at wretched.org. All right, from Mark, he writes in uh, all the way in from Australia. Says he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he loves his wife, right? Die, die, die. That's Radio 101. <laughs> We're profe- no, actually, we're professionals. That's, it's Radio 102. You don't talk over the stinger. Oh, yeah. That's not. That's number. Actually, that's not number one. Number one rule in talk show radio. You know this, don't you, Jimmy? Yeah. The host is never wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's number one. <laughs> not going to happen. All right. So, Mark, again, he writes in from Australia. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, loves his wife, works hard, uh, doesn't listen to Hillsong, and he homeschools his kids. But he says he has a tendency to a bit, uh, be a bit a bit snarky, and to make matters worse, he's an agitated swearer. Hmm. He wonders what's the best way for him to regain the offense when he feels like he's losing control of his emotions. Yeah, well, guess what? He's doing pretty good by recognizing it. That's a great start, isn't it? How might you receive help with your tongue? I think that there are some scriptural ways, and there are just some common sense ways to do it. Study Ephesians 4, about 28, all the way through Ephesians 5, 3 or 4, give or take. Talk about that these verses are clear. The Christian tongue, it's not supposed to be spewing garbage. We're born again. We're bought. We're purchased. Don't let garbage come flowing out. Read the multiple, I think about nine times in the book of James. The tongue, it's a dangerous little beast. It sets forests on fire. Get it under control. And so you should, and it sounds like Mark is, be convicted if your tongue is not always spewing pure words, good words, lovely words, worthy of praise words, encouraging words, then you need to be convicted. You need to repent. You need then to be filling your brain with as much Jesus as you possibly can. And then I would encourage you to do some practical things. Family, your dad, if I if I haven't informed you lately, is a sinner. And your dad, as you probably have heard, 
I've got an issue with my mouth, and I don't want it. And here's why. Kids, take a look at Ephesians 4. Take a look at Ephesians 5. Take a look at the epistle of James talking about the tongue. And your dad's convicted by this. And your dad wants your help. So here's what I'm thinking. Whenever you catch dad talking like this, using these words, either or, I want you to please, please, I'm begging you, please, just pull on my sleeve. Dad, you're doing it. And 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 bust me on it. Would you please do that for your dad? Because I, I need help. And I need you to help me. And then just keep striving. When it happens, just keep repenting. And just keep focusing on Jesus. Use some accountability. And you'll grow. And you'll grow. And you'll grow. And there might become a year where it just never happens. And then maybe 20 years from now, whoa, where did that word come from? So you repent. And you get back to using your tongue for edification and good, not filthiness and tearing down. Jimmy. Yes. That that little uh, advice there to Mark. Take a guess. Out of the tens and tens of people listening to this here Wretched Radio program, how many dads do you think go, oh, good, I'm going to let my kids know that I'm a really bad sinner with a potty mouth, and I'm going to ask them to bust me on it and tag me. Yeah, not very many. Yeah, it's hard. Yes. It is so counterfleshly. It's just not the way that I dig it. But just consider what you're doing for your kids when you're transparent. You're telling them, I'm a Christian who actually knows I'm a sinner who's been saved. I haven't forgotten the first part of the gospel that informs me, oh, wretched man that I am. And you can show them then how a dad goes about the business of fighting, being transparent about sin and fighting and battling against it and utilizing one another for spiritual growth. I got to tell you, I to me, for my money, that is probably going to be more impactful, especially if you do it on a consistent basis, because you probably got some other sins somewhere bound up in there. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Living the Christian faith like that is going to teach them more than your daily devotions. They're going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to get it. And they're going to realize this thing is true because my dad is actually willing to admit he's not perfect. It's powerful. All right, maybe it's not better than the daily devotion. I'm not discouraging daily devotions, but let's be honest. The kids sometimes, all right, everybody, daily devotions. Do you hear them skipping and singing? No, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Show it to them. And I will make you a money-back offer you can't refuse. Try to be transparent with your kids about sin. They see that your faith is real. I'll bet they're going to enjoy daily devotionals more. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. Heather is wondering if you have any tips for memorizing scripture. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Heather, here's my tip. Work harder. Oh, it's so hard. And so what do we need to do? Try harder. That's right. We just need to work harder. And I get that from David Miller. Perhaps you know David Miller. I believe uh, he's, he's a Baptist. He's got a particular Baptist stripe, but he's a Baptist brother. 
He was very much involved in the conservative resurgence, if you recall, of the Southern Baptist Seminary and the Southern Baptist Convention. He was one of those boys, along with Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, Albert Moeller. David Miller was there. David Miller, I believe the correct term is he's a paraplegic. And David Miller preaches really well without notes. How does he do that exactly? Well, he, he, he alliterates stuff so that he can memorize the points, but he also then doesn't just memorize the points of his sermon, but he remem- memorizes the Bible verses. And when I was with David, feeling like a complete sissy, because that's he makes Paul Washer feel like an eight-year-old girl in piglets, he is just in a wheelchair. He's a man. And I said to David, how do you do it? How do you memorize all the books of the Bible, I just, I, 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 could, I couldn't possibly do that. And his response was, well, I guess I try harder. Duh! Duh! That's what you got to do. That's what you've got to, that's what you've got to be gunning for. Just disciplining yourself to do it. I think I mentioned yesterday, I was on the telephone with Ray Comfort. And we were talking about this and we're talking about that. And I couldn't help but notice the number of Bible verses that he integrated into the conversation. Why? Because he's working hard to memorize Bible verses. So figure out your bag, your learning style, utilize that. I would suggest you got to write them out. And don't, don't just do it in your daily reading and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this. Write them down on little cards. Keep them around. Look at them. Put them in your car. Okay, you shouldn't be reading them while you're driving, but you're in the passenger seat. Look, just look at them, and just and and over and over. Some people would say, just read the thing like twenty times in a row. That's just going to help it just get kind of muscle memoried in there. And I think that's really helpful. And you should do that too. Writing it out, putting them in place, post it on the fridge, put it on your desk. Like Mark Richt, the former coach of UGA, did when I walked into his office. He had his Bible verses scattered on his desk so he could be looking at him and going, okay, like, ah, ah, that's how it goes. Work harder. Hide God's word in your heart. And I think the best way that it'll stay there is if we don't just consider it a task, because work is work, but consider the goal and the benefit I get to know God's words and thoughts and have them impact my life and affect me as I go about my day-to-day business. And increasingly, if you keep them at the top of your mind, you're going to be shocked at how often they come up. And that's going to help you to memorize it because you're going to have a reason for it. Okay. So my my potty mouth. Okay. Uh, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth. Okay. Whew. All right. Can't do that. Wow, God's Word is great. And that, practicing what you're memorizing, I think is one of the most helpful ways for you to memorize Scripture. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized. 
and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Americans saved an average of 24% during Black Friday 2021, except those who shopped at wretched.org because they saved 50%. And this year, we're going to be better than average again. During the 2022 Wretched Black Friday sale, you're going to save 50% again on Wretched products. Plus, yep, there's a plus. If you spend $50 or more, you'll get free shipping and a copy of Transformed Season 1. While supplies last, of course. Oh, and this sale isn't just for Black Friday. It just kicks off on Black Friday and will last through year's end. So I probably should not call it a Black Friday sale. What about the wretched better than average sale or the wretched 50-50 sale? However you want to label it, just know you're going to save more money than the average American and get some free stuff too. Don't miss out. It's going on right now in the Wretched store at wretched.org. That's wretched.org. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit medishare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. You didn't know we were so hip and relevant and groovy, did ya? What's up? Please send your thoughts, questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, whatever, to idea at wretched.org. And just as hiply as we always do, we will respond, especially if you keep it pithy, ixnay on the airing sway, and try to, unless it's personal, we get that. Try to share your name. It's just, just humanizes things a wee bit idea at wretched.org josh wants to know why you're so dogmatic todd about young earth creationism he says are so many scientists mistaken about the age of the earth yes 
<laughs> yes, they are. Because knowing the age of the earth isn't science. We do not have a consistently accurate means to determine the age of the earth. Furthermore, those mechanisms that are employed forgets something, that the world changes, that the world is not constant, that it sometimes changes. For instance, the decay rate of the carbon-14 molecule. Are we sure the decay rate is the same today as it was 550 years ago? 500. 4,200 years ago, 6,000 years ago. Do we know? And the answer is no, we don't. Therefore, because we are not uniformitarians, we are a little dubious of dating mechanisms. And so when somebody says the earth is 13 billion years old, it's not based on science. It's based on interpretation. And everybody brings a worldview to the interpretive party. Everybody, and Christians included, which is why some of our dear Christian brothers and sisters who believe the earth is older than what Genesis 1 clearly states over and over again, repeatedly and redundantly, they're, 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 they're bringing things. They probably have a scientific mind. They could be all sorts of motivators. So we need to go to the text and ask it some questions, starting with, what are you? What am I reading here? If if you're reading a a, a poem, you want to know it because then you understand, okay, there's going to be some symbolic language used here and it's not meant to be an actual historical description. It's poetry. Is Genesis 1 poetry? The answer, according to I don't think there's a Hebrew scholar who would disagree. No, it's not poetry. It's historical narrative. It includes details, names of places, names of people. You don't do that in poetry. You do that in historical narrative. But you also take a look at the timeline, not being poetry. You see God laboring like nobody's business to really make it clear, I made this place in six 24-hour days. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, okay? And day one, he did He did that. Day two, he did this. Day three, he did that. So not only does he say day three, putting a number before the Hebrew word yom, which means day, which means it always means a 24-hour period. The word yom, you have to admit, semantically, it can mean a longer period of time. It never means billions of years, though. And when there is a number, an adjective defining it, that means it's a 24-hour day. And that's what we see in Genesis. And as if to put an exclamation point on it, God said evening and the morning were the first day, second day, etc. Evening and morning unless you somehow translate evening and morning to be thousands or millions of years, you are stuck with a literal interpretation that clearly states God made the place six 24-hour days a long time ago. Wait a second. I I thought you were a young earther. Yeah, 6,000 years ago is a long time. (laughs) How long have you lived? There's some days. Woo! They take forever, don't they? Just time, just sometimes when you're, you know, for instance, staring at your cell phone screen, you know, time doesn't seem to fly. It's just, there you are, 
looking at your computer, waiting for your wife to come out of the store you didn't want to set a foot in. I just can't do Bed Bath & Beyond. Just can't go into the candle store. I'll just sit here with it. It just What's, drags. Have you ever figured out what the Beyond is? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. You see that, don't you? It's like automotive repair and more. Well, more more than what what else are you plumbing? What do you more than just say what you do? Come up with a name for it. Hot donuts and more. Okay, well, then then why don't you just call yourself what's the word I'm looking for? A bakery. I never I never got that. Bed bath and beyond. What a positive word, isn't it? It's not just bed bath and more stuff. It's alliteration. And it just seems to arc up, doesn't it? You come in here, you're going to be beyond. Can't go in there. And so I sit and read the phone. <laughs> Would hate to sit on a bench and just, I don't know, look around and think. I saw a woman this morning walking her dog while looking at her cell phone. You know, isn't it enough to just be with your pooch? And just, you do have to, I don't quite get the need for... That time can march awfully slowly. 6,000 years is a long time. And we simply are confronted with a question. Because I, I, I think this is fair. If you don't agree with me on a young earth creation position, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to frame this so it doesn't feel like a gotcha question. Okay? Can we agree, at least on this, that the Bible is is a historical narrative in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Can we just agree on that? Okay. Then you're going to have to figure out another way to be freed from the demands of those texts. And I would only challenge you, make sure it isn't scientific peer pressure. Make sure that it's from the text. I don't think you can find a gap between Genesis 1, 1, and 2. I I don't think day age makes any sense at all. But if you are willing to at least start with, okay, it's historical narrative. Now let's go read the thing. And I would ask you to give it a plain reading. If a Martian found on a UFO was given a Bible in his Pentagon jail cell. Okay, clearly I'm making this up. I don't know what we do with aliens these days. Oh yeah, nothing because they don't exist. The point is... If we had an alien and we gave him a Bible for the first time and said, read Genesis 1, do you know what that alien would say? I do. That's what he'd say. Which interpreted means, oh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in six 24-hour days. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Miss Mary is wondering, Todd, when do you know it's time to leave your church? Oh, it's a hard question. Mm-hmm. That is a big one. I would I would suggest this because there's no way a quick response can encompass all of the considerations that are involved. I'd like to give some big principles, but if you go to wretched.org, we've got radio shows, we've talked about this a lot. And we've got TV shows on that when to leave your church. Just do the when to leave your church. You'll probably find a number of broadcasts to consider a lot of different issues. Here is a big principle. If your church is Orthodox, you better be careful before you go. If your church is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is upholding all of the cardinal doctrines, you've now got a high bar to jump over. 
before you abandon ship. Having said that, there can be some reasons for jumping over that hurdle. And those reasons could be perhaps issues of the church that are going on that you believe are maybe not as ethical as you think that they should be. If you believe, and you got to be careful with this, you have authoritarian elders. Now, they do have authority, but they are more tyrannical than they are elderly. And you could have a reason to go. What about the music? Um, I, all by itself, I, wow, would I be slow to go on that one. And believe me, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I'm not a big fan of the contemporary business. But boy, to leave a church over that, I, I got, I, I've got to ask my Bible, do you give me permission to go based on this issue? No. I grant you there could be some reasons that you do. That it's, it's the Bethel and the elevation and the Hillsong music and your conscience is troubling you and you think there could be more behind this. Then, okay, consider it. Just do it slowly. Never abandon ship quickly. Try to share with the elders what your concerns are, if they'll listen. And if they don't, that's kind of a problem. That could be put on the plate of considerations of whether or not to stay. So, yes, and there are many more reasons, by the way, many more. I'm not sure kids' programs qualifies as one of them, but if you can get a handoff, this should be the goal when you leave your church, that there's a baton handoff, that your church is aware of what you're doing and can say your membership is now given over to this church because you are underneath their protective covering. That sounded kind of Presbyterian because you're underneath somebody else's authority and you're spiritually safe. Then we release you and let you go. If that doesn't happen, chances are fair. You didn't do it exactly biblically. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. Time to be here. So Elon Musk just released a video of a pile of shirts he found in a closet at Twitter's headquarters. The shirts? Hashtag stay woke. Yeah, I don't think anybody's surprised by that find. Canadian financial corporation TD Bank quietly donated half a million dollars to a program earlier this year that conducts gender-affirming irreversible procedures on minors. The financial institution funded the half million dollars through Canada's Children's Hospital Foundation to support gender transitions through the McMaster Pediatric Gender Diversity Program. Just thought I'd share that so you know who you may possibly be doing business with. Leaders in the Philippines have rejected pressure from the United Nations to legalize the murder of unborn babies in the country. The Justice Secretary of the Philippines said the pro-murder recommendation from the UN conflicts with his nation's values. Amen to that. Of course, abortion is the number one cause of death worldwide, with estimates suggesting somewhere between 42 and 73 million babies are murdered every year across the world. A recent report by Aid to the Church in Need International has found that in 75% of 24 countries surveyed, oppression or persecutions of Christians has significantly increased. Africa has seen a sharp rise in terrorist violence from non-state militants, with more than 7,600 Nigerian Christians reportedly murdered between January last year and June this year. 
In Asia, state authoritarianism led to worsening oppression, which was found to be at its worst in North Korea, where religious belief and practice are routinely and systematically repressed. India has seen 710 incidents of anti-Christian violence between January last year and June this year, while Syria has seen Christians plummet from 10% of the population to less than 2% currently. And the report also found that in countries as diverse as Egypt and Pakistan, Christian girls are routinely subjected to kidnapping and rape. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continuously pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Amos was a shepherd called to prophesy during a time of prosperity in Israel and Judah. But this prosperity was accompanied by idolatry, extravagance, and corruption. When you consider the society you live in, Amos declares that God judges societies by his standard of righteousness. He hates all corruption and injustice. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Tis the season. This is Wretched Radio, not talking about ho-ho-ho time, talking about the season when tomorrow clubs open up. Here's what this brilliant Eastern European ministry does. They hold English-speaking camps in the summertime in remote villages throughout Eastern Europe, Ukraine, Moldova, Georgia, all of the places that are so under the heavy hand of capital O orthodoxy. They go in, love on the kids, teach them English, and then they let those kids know we're going to be doing a weekly meeting starting in the fall. And those kids who came to the English camp who were loved on by the Tomorrow Club leaders, they then start participating in a Tomorrow Club, and we're in that season right now. So would you be kind enough to pray for the ministry of Tomorrow Clubs that the Lord would use this really efficient ministry to reach a lot of kids with the gospel? They are. And it's not a watered-down gospel, by the way. It is, like, robust, and it includes repentance and faith. And right now, they're trying to gather the kids to get them together to hear the gospel on a weekly basis because they know that if the kids have the gospel, the parents are going to get the gospel, and then the local church will be strengthened. It's a great ministry. Be praying for it if you choose to support it. That would be nifty. It is not a ton to run a Tomorrow Club. It is not a lot to provide the goodies and the treats that they do give to the kids to be loving to them, but they teach them Bible stories and they teach them how to sing and to memorize the Bible. $30 a month, give or take, you're going to be taking care of 30 little disciplettes. You can learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched because tis the season. It is also the season for you to send emails to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, you want to know what I watched the other day? What did you watch? Karnak the Magnificent. What is that? Or who what? is that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What? Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show? I know Johnny Carson. Okay, Johnny Carson had a character called Karnak. Mm. He'd, he'd put on this robe and this turban, and Ed McMahon would blow it up like he's a sage from the East. He's all wise, all knowing, and he comes out, typically trips up the stair. One time he tripped up the stair, fell into the desk, and the entire desk shatters. Just hysterical. And he would have a pile of envelopes that were sealed, 
in Funkin' Wagnall, in a jar in Funkin' Wagnall's porch, something like that. And he'd put the envelope up to his forehead and he would say the contents. So, for instance, he would say, Sis, boom, ba. Sis, boom, ba. And then he'd open up the envelope, pull out the card, which would read, What is the sound a cat makes before he's blown up? <laughs> Sis, boom, ba. <laughs> That's Karnak. And I would like that. It was, and, and you know what? I have a funny feeling some of it got raunchy because doesn't virtually everything. But funny. Very, very funny. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. Well, Nick has an interesting question. He wants to know what you think, what you suggest a Christian should do with items they stole as a non-believer. And he's specifically asking about items they're in, still in possession of the Christian, but items that can't ever be returned yeah. to the original owner. Yeah, that's, you know, then then it comes down to a conscience issue, what you want to do. I think if you stole something, you should give it back. And you should make a great deal of effort to do that. If you conclude legitimately with a clean conscience, I can't do it. I can't find them. I can't say they're dead. Can't give it to them. Okay, there's some options for you. You could give it to their posterity. You could give it to a relative. You could go to them and say, I stole this from your pop. I'm so sorry. You should have it because it is rightfully yours, not mine. If you get to the place where none of those things can happen, then what you do with it, I think, is your business. You could, I, Perhaps you can keep it if your conscience doesn't trouble you. Perhaps you give it away. Perhaps you take it to the Salvation Army. Perhaps you give it as a gift someplace. Your conscience might trouble you about that, too. But... I do think that you have those options. Principle, make every effort you can to give back what does not belong to you. That is very 2 Corinthians 7, signs of true repentance. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. Zach says he'll be graduating from seminary in May. And as a future pastor, he is wondering how you think he should tithe. His fiance and he ah. are trying to determine what it will look like for them. But yes. uh, in your mind, what do you think the best way for a pastor to tithe would be? Well, I want to attack the word tithe just for uh, the 974th time. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a believer that every Christian has to give 10%. Now, I know that's shocking to some, but the Old Testament tithes equaled about 23.5%. 23, yeah, about 23.5%. So it's ne- it was never 10% only. What you see in the Old Testament are mandated taxes known as tithes that went to the operation of the temple, to the operation of the nation. Those were the taxes that equaled about 23 and a third, 23.5%. And then you gave to God what you wanted to. So your offering to God wasn't based on your taxes. I believe that principle is seen starkly in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Paul telling the Corinthians, just just give what you want. Give what you feel like giving. He never says give 10%. So starting in that place, I would say, God's standard is way higher than 10%. He wants us to give him what he wants, what we want to give him. That means we got to wrangle with it and wrestle with it and figure it out and ask, am I spending too much? Am I being self-indulgent? Does my local church need more cash? 
what am I doing with it? You got to be going through that. And on a somewhat regular basis, as finances and economy changes, and you give to the Lord what you want, maybe it is 10%, maybe it's 2%. It could be no percent. If you're in debt, then you have no money to give. And you shouldn't give more to get into more debt because you feel like you are underneath the law. Giving is about generosity of heart combined with what means God has provided for you. So what about the pastor? What should he do? After all, here's here's the conundrum. I think we can all feel this for the preacher. The church is giving him money for a salary. And then he's supposed to take the money that they give to him and give it back to the church? Well, that seems seems kind of weird. Um, how do we noodle that? Well, I would suggest to you, we take a look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and we remember the principle, we give what we want to give. We are not under compunction. We're not under a law. It's joyful giving. And if a pastor desires to give joyfully, then he should give joyfully. What amount? The amount that he wants to. You say it's going back to the church. I say, what's wrong with that? Furthermore, what is it modeling for the body about the importance of supporting financially your local church? So shout out, pastor, give the church that you shepherd whatever you want. And send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, Todd. So what are your thoughts on the 80s-style synthesizer background during (laughs) prayer that churches sometimes impose? Distracting, inappropriate, What's the point? What does that do? There is a point. You've heard it. The pastor's got every eye closed and every head bowed. And here comes the synth music. Why? Is he that boring? That's a possibility. Are they trying to do something with it? And the answer is, oh, yeah, we're trying to get people in a mood, which has a different word that I think is a little bit pithier. Manipulation. It's what that is. We don't want mere emotive responses. It's not to suggest that responses shouldn't be emotional, but that is not what should cause an individual to run to Jesus. It shouldn't just be, I'm feeling all warm and squishy, and wow, I don't know why I'm in such a mood, but okay, I'll come to the altar. Instead, we just preach the truth, call people to repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ, and let the Holy Spirit do, if you will, the manipulating. Not music, just wish we could lose that aspect of so many churches. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, Lydia has a thoughtful question. I know Uh, why you're smirking in there. (laughs) I know, I know. Why am I smirking? Because you don't think we can get it done with the amount of time left. Yeah. Well, Go. Okay, Lydia. Uh, she wants to know, uh, she has an older brother struggling in his walk. She believes him to be saved, but he's weak in his faith. So she wonders, how can she challenge him without stepping out of her place? And how should she respond if he is to come defensive? Well, I would say you do have a place. We do rebuke, exhort, encourage one another. We disciple and teach one another. So your place is just fine. If you're concerned about usurping the role of authority or pastoral position, I I don't think that that would be in view in your situation. Uh, Just because Jimmy tried to smash this in at the last second, I'll have to be brief with this. But just love your brother. Love your brother. 
Uh, just love him. See that he's got some deficiencies. You've got some concern, but just love your brother and teach him as you can. Encourage him along the way. Correct him if necessary. But make sure that while you see it as a mission field, which it is, don't lose sight of love. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Hey, thank you so much for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. And boy, do I have some good news for you. You did it. You solved the God Puzzle. Our goal was to print one million copies of Solving the God Puzzle and send them to wretched people who were willing to distribute them to the lost. And thanks to you, that goal has been met. Please join us in praising God for his goodness and pray that he will use our joint efforts to save many. And this obviously could not be done without you and without our gospel partners. Of course, if you're also a gospel partner, we want to thank you humbly from the bottom of our hearts. If you're not a gospel partner yet, would you please begin praying about it? You can also visit wretched.org donate to get answers to all of the questions you could possibly ever have on becoming a wretched gospel partner. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at Tomorrow Clubs org slash wretched titles of Christ in the Bible Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done Jesus is called our ransom through our sin we are in bondage to sin and death but Christ paid the fine to satisfy God's justice and purchase us as his holy people. If you are in Christ, you no longer belong to sin, but to God. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Fresh cough drop, fresh emails. This is Wretched Radio, hoping you will send whatever is on your mind to idea at wretched.org. And as Jimmy reads your emails, I'll do my best to not make this sound. <laughs> okay, so uh, Bryce uh, is wondering what would be your advice and what he could say to his friends who are pushing back on the ideas of church membership. Mm. They're asking, why should I be a member when I'm already doing everything that members are doing? I want to wait for my spouse so that we and I both, so we can both choose the right church to be members of. Um, I, I don't like how the members now are elitists and other, and other excuses. So he wants to know how to respond to those. Yeah, friends. Actually, you're, you're not doing everything that you can. Here it, here's here's what you're not doing. You're you're attending regularly. You're serving in the church. All very good, but you're not committing. You're not. You're, you've you've you you've taken the position that you could go at any time, and that you owe nothing. That there is no responsibility that you have to that body of people, and you do as a member of the body of Christ. So I don't think that that's a valid excuse. I also believe that we need to recognize Jesus is very clear about a subject called church discipline, Matthew 18, that we have a plan for wayward sheep to pull them back into the fold. And if you're not a member, you can't be set out, which means you could stray away and be lost because they would have no authority over you. Furthermore, I think of 1 Corinthians 14, the gifts, this is a partial list, I think 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4 also, has a list of gifts. You you can't fully exercise them or have them exercised on you if you're not a committed member. Question, would you like other people in the church to be committed to you? I mean, committed to you. Like, they love you so much. They let you use their pickup truck when you have to move stuff. Would you, would you like that kind of commit? Then commit to them. Commit to one another. There's another concept. Don't get carried away, my Presbyterian friends. But the concept of covenant, that we are co-heirs of everlasting life. We have been brought into a covenant by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Together, we're going to be spending eternity together. Why won't we commit to one another now? There are lots of excuses. Here's the rule. Find the best local church you can and join it. Commit to it. Of course it's not perfect. Find the best one you can and join it and serve and give and commit. That's what I might say. And I'd suggest you send emails to idea at wretched. Dot org. You know, Jimmy. Yes. I, but there's a there's 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 something that I think a person needs to ask who's hesitating about joining a church. Now I get I get some of the excuses, and I understand too. You want to be careful under whose authority you place yourself. I get that. You want mature. You want godly. But besides the excuses, the aforementioned ones that you read, I think we need to ask. Okay, what's going in my on in my heart? That keeps me from going, I'm in. I'm all in. There, it's There's more than just those people do fill in the blank. There's more to it. Deep down inside, go digging to find out why you might be hesitating to be a member of a local 
church. Idea at wretched.org. All right, David says, obviously, as we all are, aware of what's going on in Afghanistan. And his question is not so much on the specifics of the issue, but he was wondering what the Bible has to say in regard in regards to permitting, encouraging, or prohibiting government or Christians from doing uh, with respect to a war. Uh, we want to probably come up with a framework that guides us through a complex subject. Some people would argue, well, this isn't explicitly from the Bible. This is more... I believe Thomas Aquinas, just war theory. Do you and I have permission biblically to speak at our government? Yeah, I think I think we've, we've got some guidelines as to what we should be saying, but we can be preaching, repent, quit sinning, stop the abortion funding, stop the wicked behavior, stop taking urinals out of boys' bathrooms in Virginia. Stop it. We can do that. We can call the individuals to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We should absolutely be doing that. But I also believe that we have the ability because the government that we currently live under, at least maybe for a while, allows us to speak to the government, to petition the government. I believe that we can do that. And so to encourage the government, hey, There's people over there that can't get to the airport. I don't care that you tried to send them a text and an email. There's going to be people left behind if you don't go and find them and get them out. They can't get past the Taliban barricades to get to the airport. And then when they get there, they can't get into the airport. We're going to be leaving people behind. Hey, government, it's your job to protect your citizens. Get on it. We can petition them for that. And now we need to ask, Can we petition them to necessarily go to war? Got to be really careful with this situation in Afghanistan because we've got a lot of Christians over there. We're concerned about them. But is it just for the United States of America to go to war against a nation? And the answer is it's going to depend on how these people treat human beings and specifically American citizens because I'm not sure that you can find a biblical mandate for a a government to take care of all people around the globe. It's for those under their authority. And so if people under their authority are getting hurt or killed, well, then you're starting to get closer to a just cause. But you need to ask other just war theory questions, which is, is this our fight? Have we been attacked? Are we retaliating at a proportional level? Do we have a clear path to victory? What are we doing there? Why are we there? And if we can conclude it's just, then we can just tell the government, get her done. If we can't, probably want to be a little slow to petition them to start sending rockets onto the heads of the Taliban. Although, at this moment, I'm not sure that's a terrible idea. Send your emails to idea at wretched. Org. All right, Joel has a, a pretty good question. He's been in ministry for a couple of years and was wondering when he will feel confident ministering to people's questions and doubts. And he said, outside the gospel, I wonder how much and how surely I know anything. Yeah, well, you got a couple issues going on there. If you got doubts and concerns, you got to get that short up fast, Pastor. You, you just, uh, you, sorry, job description. You have to hold to these truths with a firm conviction. If you can't, 
probably time to step back, take a look, and ask, am I suited at this moment to be a shepherd of Jesus' sheep? And then when you get done with those doubts, then you can start to help people who are struggling. And let me just suggest this. I was reading an article. Ha! Look at Providence right there. Paul Todges, Colossians 1.24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That is a really loaded verse. I rejoice that I'm suffering because it's for your sake. Whoa, that'll preach. When you're suffering, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you are wounded, rejoice because you're going to be able to help other people. If you've had some doubts, get over them. And then you're going to be able to sympathetically help people as opposed to just saying, what What are you done? What are you kidding me? How long have you been going to church here? That's not a sympathetic counselor. But when we go through things ourselves, then we can sympathize with others. And this should be an encouragement to you, pastor or not. If you're going through something hard, you need to rejoice in your sufferings because you've got God's word. He is going to use you as a blessing. Consider Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second one, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's why you're going through what you're going through. Now, there's other reasons. Might need to repent of something. Might need to grow in a fruit. There just could be other reasons that God is discipling you. But you have his promise. If you're going through something hard, you're comforted by God. You're going to be able to comfort others. And that is the, that is the shepherding heart that we should all possess, not just pastors, but all of us, in dealing with one another, their doubts, their concerns, their anxieties, their frustrations, their disappointments, their pain, physical, emotional, all of those issues are swirling in every single Christian home. And you and I are called to help one another, not just leave it up to the pastor, but to help one another sympathetically. Because that's what church members do for one another. See what I did there, Jimmy? Just snuck that right in the back door there. Such a pro. Find the best local church you can, join it, serve it, give to it, and do the one another's together. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.